0: Just like late night kebabs, we've all been burned at one time or another by traditional affiliate marketing. But it has changed a lot. Technology businesses like Impact are paving a new wave of business growth through performance-based partnerships which connect retailers to influencers, content creators, affiliates and other brands and mobile apps in a meaningful way. And the best part? You stay in control. Impact allows you to set individual contracts to preserve margins – provides in-depth analytics and even offers fraud protection. Visit impact.com forward slash growth to learn more or jump back into episode 81 with Booktopia to hear how they are driving growth through the power of partnerships with Impact. Welcome to The Checkout. We catch up with previous guests of Add to Cart where we ask them five quick questions to understand more about them and leave you with a little extra inspiration to get through your Friday. Today's checkout features Steve Blick from Stone & Wood Brewing. Based out of Byron Bay, they're one of Australia's largest independent brewers and for many, are people's first taste of craft beer. They've been in the scene for a while. They've recently taken a focus on expanding their direct-to-drinker operation and over the last couple of years have moved pretty fast, including a replatforming, a new warehouse and a subscription product. All right, Steve, I've got you for the checkout. We're going to learn a little bit more about you. All right. Number one, what is oh, – I'm a bit scared about this question, actually. Uh-huh. What is the weirdest thing you've ever bought online?
1: Ah, Okay, the weirdest thing I've bought online. Are we talking like late 90s, early 2000s, eBay, late night weird? Because, uh, yeah, if we're going to go there, there's – You go as
0: weird as you want.
1: Yeah. Do you remember the brand called Bathing Ape? or bait. (laughs) They had some weird weird clothes out there. There's a few of those that rocked up. Uh, There was...
0: What kind of weird clothes? Can can you describe them to us?
1: Probably like you think about like gangster baggy clothes, big fat hoodies with lots of colourful patterns all over them that I would never wear.
0: That type of weird. It's in perfectly in Byron Bay.
1: Oh, 100%. Uh, So there's that stuff. There's... You know, the internet is probably the best place to go to when you're looking for fancy dress costumes. So there are plenty of those. Uh, I think that's, that's kind of it, mate. Like I'm, I'm fairly simple otherwise. Uh, not weird, but I'm surprised at how easy it is to buy anything online. We brought uh, fans and light switches and light bulbs online uh, and got them delivered a day later in regional New South Wales, so that weirded me out. How good that experience was.
0: <laughs> you you um, can tell the arc of your life here. Like you, you've gone from buying weird, gangster, colourful, like clothes late at night to buying fans and light switches. You can tell you've, you've gone straight yep. into dad life, right? That's it.
1: Drinking drinking lager,
0: replacing fans. That's it. <laughs> Living the life. Yeah. All right. Number two. Who is your favourite retailer,
1: mate? The Accent Group uh, are super cool to follow. So seeing what they do and have been doing is amazing. Uh, they've got this incredibly distributed uh, model of small footprint stores that they're leveraging the hell out of. Uh, they're super relevant online. They're engaging with their customers. They seem to give you any option under the sun that you want in order to get access to trying stuff on, buying stuff, returning stuff. Uh, and to do that and still have a simple front end that isn't a minefield to try to navigate through uh,
0: is pretty clever. Really impressive omnichannel, isn't oh, it? Oh, mate, it's amazing. Number three, which retail fad do you wish was history?
1: Uh, it's not a fad but shit customer service. <laughs> uh, definitely, you know, like retail industry, like the pub industry, your. are uh, you're customer-facing, you're, you're, you're trying to meet people on their terms and, and serve their needs ultimately. Uh, if you're not into it and if you don't like being customer-facing, then find something that's more suited. But ultimately, uh, there's so many easy wins in just giving great customer service. So the quicker we can all get there, uh, the better. Um, you know, The better for the
0: industry, the better for, for punters who, who get to experience that great customer service. Do you do anything special with your e-commerce customer service team to make sure that they're always delivering fantastic service? Uh, it, there's a cultural piece to that
1: and the values that we have in the business and recruiting people that share those values and, and as a team coming together and reinforcing those values, that, that's an easy win because all the cool stuff flows out of that. Um, we randomly will pick out customers that, uh, you'd call them high value customers or, um, you know, high, high communication customers that are constantly engaging with us, and we find fun ways to reward them. Uh, it's not all it's not all written down uh, that they're going to get this, this, and that, but um, we do it on the fly just to try to give those fun experiences. You know, we we had a beer club member visit us in the brewery in Byron the other day, and so Jess, our Cicerone trained tasting room manager. She pulled them in behind the bar and they got to pour their own beers. So, How good. uh, That's not written down in a rule book. That's just just that culture coming through, being able to do uh, cool things for our customers.
0: That's brilliant. Number four, can you recommend a book or a podcast that our listeners should immediately get into? If you haven't read Shoe Night,
1: if you haven't read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the guy that set up Nike, uh, that's a really cool book. And it's really, it's about the first 10 years. Of Nike, uh, and we all know where they're at now. They're an amazing brand. Uh, they are doing some amazing things, uh, B2C direct with their consumers. Uh, but just to kind of get an understanding of some of the challenges they went through in those first 10 years, uh, that have helped set them up to be what they are today is, it's a really good story. And Phil is a, is a humble dude that just tells it how it is. And you don't feel like you've been, uh, you've been, given a rule book or been told of uh, a game plan. It's just the, the experiences that they've had
0: in that business. Was there anything in that book? And obviously Nike and Stone and & Wood are slightly different businesses. Some people, drink, some people drink beer out of a shoe, believe it or not. But like, <laughs> that's probably the best connection I can come up with. It's pretty good. Is there anything that you took out of that book that you applied into Stone & Wood or that stayed in the back of your mind for what you're doing today?
1: Uh, I think the thing I took out of it is that, you know, you can, you can grow something big out of something little because that, that first 10 years of their business, they, they didn't exist to anyone. You know, they were a small little player against the big players like Adidas and, and others out there. And they just sort of kept at it and they just kept trying and kept trying, uh, different things and new things and they're pretty relentless and pretty persistent. And that, they're really important things for, for any business in the first 10 years.
0: It's a good point because it's like Nike seems this big behemoth now that's just untouchable Mm. and it's hard to forget that at some point there were challenges and at some point they were a small business. They weren't always this big behemoth.
1: Yeah, mate, the guy that Phil got to help him develop the shoes was the high school track and field coach who would tinker in his shed with different rubbers in, in pots on the stove to try to come up with new rubber soles and new patterns that were most effective for uh, the type of shoe they wanted to make. So um, if all it takes is a pot on a stove to come up with the beginnings of a business like Nike, then it's kind of anyone's got the chance to do it, right?
0: You know, all I'm hearing from that is that the brewers should allow you to start brewing your own beer and Stone & Wood can go to the next level. Hey, you heard it here first. I'm going to share that with them. Beautiful. All right, last question I've got for you. Finish this sentence. The future of retail is?
1: Experiential. Hey, it's, uh, it's customer experience. It's, it's giving people an awesome experience. You can, you can have any product on a shelf next to another product, but for me, I think the experience is what sets it apart, the experience you get with that brand, the experience you get in a store, in a brewery, in a tasting room. Anyone can clone, not anyone, but you can clone a product, but it's much, much harder to clone an
0: awesome experience. Well put. Thank you for joining us, mate. Uh, Really appreciate your time and really excited to see what else you're going to do with Stone & Wood online in the next two or three years. Awesome, mate. Thanks for the chat. It's been good to share what we've been up to. To hear more from Steve, jump back into Episode 64, where Steve shares how their subscription beer club has totally changed their relationship with their customers why they've moved from a national 3PL to a centralised warehouse and how he got his dream job at Stoner Wood with a simple tweet. The jury's still out on whether he was drunk tweeting at the time. Thanks for listening and until next time, keep adding to cart.